This episode of the Horse Feed UK has been brought to you by the Equestrian Business Awards. Nominations are now open and you can check out all the categories at the website, theequestrianbusinessawards.co.uk. Show your farrier, retailer, instructor and many more some love by nominating them for free for these brilliant awards. Check it out today at theequestrianbusinessawards.co.uk. guys welcome back to episode 24 of the horse feed uk podcast can you believe it's been almost a year since we started we've got an extra special episode for you today as we're joined by you sean he's a three-star event rider currently based in the uk and he also represents hong kong we chat to him and find out about the main differences between the uk and abroad what it takes to be a top event rider and also he's answering our listener questions As usual, we've got a chat with myself and Amy, keeping you up to date with what we've been up to, and we're joined by Ginger and Tonic, who's given us a brilliant rider review. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the show. As always, let us know what you think by sending us a message over at The Horse Feed UK on Instagram, Facebook, or you can check us out at the website, thehorsefeeduk.co.uk. Hi guys, so it's me and Amy back again for our fortnightly catch-up. As you all know, Amy's got the news, so we're going to pass straight over to her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everything's getting going. Yay! Yay, finally! There's a light, there's a big shiny sunny light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, there looks like shows and clinics and stuff will be able to go ahead as of the 29th of March. Because they're an outdoor sporting event. Woo woo! Woo woo! So uh, indoors are classes, outdoor venues as well, due to the size. That's so, good. All good news. So like manic, manic, get ready, everyone's now. So yeah, brilliant, just fantastic. I mean, that is a big if. So we know what these things are like at the minute. You, they give it and they take it away just as quickly. <laughs> Boris, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, hopefully we'll be able to get out and about. So Royal Windsor have just announced they've changed their dates because that's normally in May. All right. Yep, nice pretty pictures by the side of the river. Oh, right, okay. And they've changed that to the 1st of July. Right, okay. Does that clash with anything else or is that a good date? There's a few bits on, but I mean, as anyone that competes knows, you get into the summer months and it's just bounced from one to the next. So you do get pretty busy. But yeah, I think it could be a good date. We'll not have to... uh, drag you out for the podcast. That'd be good. We'd like to be out on tour. Um, I've been dying to get out. Yeah, we're in Lancashire, so how far away? Because you know my directions are Going south. South, South. Okay. Yeah, that's that way, isn't it? (laughs) No one can see you pointing. (laughs) I point you the right way. Yes, that (laughs) way. (laughs) Right, okay, so no, that'd be fantastic to to be getting out and about. Um, You've booked me on a clinic, haven't you, Em? I have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm borrowing the lovely Princess Pony Harmony, because we're still waiting for uh, the Cyril Cyril? Cyril. got that out eventually. (laughs) a bit of a tongue twister but we're hoping that that should be in mid to the end of next month i'm going to send a follow-up email i think but yeah um we're i'm on a penny pleasant clinic that's right isn't it it is at thompson house and yeah riding harmony Mm -hmm. um 
I'm with the kids. What the judge wants to see. <laughs> what the judge wants to see, yeah. Yeah, anything at the minute, just get you out and riding somewhere away from home and get you in a different environment because if anyone has followed Sam, they will see that the second she rides somewhere that's not her own paddock, we go, bah! I do, I do. I, <laughs> I think we covered pieces. that in one of the, the episodes, didn't you, when you had the... Um... EFT. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was with Kerry Campbell. Yeah, that yeah. was um, yeah, that was really helpful. But obviously with winter and the saddle and horses and so forth, I'm sure everybody else knows what it's like. Um, yeah, it's not really been put into practice that much, but Harmony's lovely. Amy's been kind enough to let me ride her and the Ginger Ninja a little bit at home which you know is helpful harmony's but... not a ginger ninja that's no. two ponies <laughs> but yeah that's two ponies harmony's a lovely grey connemara and um, both very different but it's really helpful for me um it's a little bit disheartening because it just reminds me of sort of what i don't know but practice makes progress there eh, mate yeah and i think for anyone that is maybe struggling with their own and doesn't know how to get past it if you can borrow someone else's horse it's a fantastic way of realizing where you might need to improve or what you think feels really good actually isn't or actually yeah this is right and i am working but how can i ask for it a different way because it's not working on my own because my girls are completely different harmony is ultra forgiving she's established so you kick and point basically but she's bone idle so she really allows you the time to adjust and work on your position whereas caddy is far more willing she's all go it's forward there's not a lot of leg needed but because she's still green, she allows you to notice where maybe you're not supported up and you will have to turn and end up halfway down the paddock. Like we did. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good to see you on both of them, actually, and pinpoint areas that we need to work on. And actually, after you rode Caddy the other day and we worked on bringing your outside shoulder back and not falling out, Jesus. you were far better on Harmony. Right, okay. When you rode today. better. It felt harder work. but because yeah, she was being lazy. <laughs> so lazy. And I was sat in the middle of the paddock clapping, like, get it moving! She does. She's, um, well, if anybody follows me on the personal Instagram, Grandsam's Equestrian Adventures, you'll have seen her. Amy's amazing motivation when we did one of the Couch to 5K <laughs> runs that I'm currently on with. That involves me running while dying, puffing alongside her on one of the ponies, shouting down from above, come on, come on, Forrest, run, run. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we got I around eventually. Run. No, um, you're pretty fit though, mate, as we saw from the riding today. You know, you make it look very easy. Um, but yeah, like we said, the nights are getting longer, so it's a little bit easier. People can sort of, you know, ride a little bit more into the evening and we've no frozen paddocks and stuff like that to deal with. Shh. I know, don't curse us. Is that no. what you're shushing me for? Yeah. I've got two ponies to get fit. My first outing's in like five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone can do it, AMG can. But yeah, as always, we love to keep up to date with what you guys are getting up to. So don't forget to sort of tag us in any post and let us know what, what, what you're doing. We want to see, definitely. So at, at the Horse Feed UK. In this show, we've got a brilliant interview with you, Sean. He's um, a Hong Kong um, event rider. He's um, sort of, he's come over from Hong Kong and he's currently training with Stephen Way um, over in Hampshire. And yeah, I found it, and you know me, like I'm so, he's a three-star level eventer yet yeah, i could you won't walk over a pole on the ground <laughs> but i could still understand everything that he was saying in the interview and there were still some brilliant takeaways in terms of you know mindset and confidence and dealing with nerves and stuff yeah, like so that so now whatever your level you're at i mean everyone's got to start somewhere so to see where he's come from and he's so young and he's achieved so i know much. he's like superman like seriously yeah he's absolutely fantastic so stay tuned guys enjoy this episode as always let us know what you think and we will catch you next fortnight Bye-bye. bye 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 do you want to sort of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you a bit about your background oh we started recording
<laughs> oh yeah, we're we're recording. We're aware. Sorry, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, no worries. <laughs> I've put my put my um, media voice on. <laughs> you sound great. Like I say to everybody, with me on the line, you've no concern. <laughs> because everybody sounds better than I do. Would be really strong. No, you sound, you sound good. Northern accents are friendly, aren't they? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I'm I'm Yushan. I'm an event rider, or I try to be. <laughs> I represent Hong Kong and compete internationally up to kind of three-star intermediate level and stepping up. I've got my own couple of horses and owners that I'm really lucky to have. I've also just finished uni. I've got now two degrees. Wow. So been a good couple of years trying to balance those two things and now I've kind of immersed myself in full-time riding and eventing and stuff and hopefully competing again once lockdown's yeah. over and we go back to normal life. Yeah. You'd be very modest there, you Sean, in your introduction. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Your best achievements include winning the team silver medal at the Asian Equestrian Championships in 2019 and winning an individual bronze medal at the Asian Eventing Championships in 2017 and riding for Team Hong Kong at the 2018 Asian (laughs) Games at the age of 23, may I add, which... I've got 10 years on you and then a couple more. Um, <laughs> wow. And you've got two degrees as well. Yeah, so I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, did my first degree in in philosophy, did my undergrad in philosophy in London, King's College. Um, and then I actually stayed at King's to do my master's, decided not to be too adventurous. Um, wow. So I did bioethics, which has suddenly become really relevant this year <laughs> and last year even. But We were really pleased to sort of have you on the show. Oh, good to be here. And I'm, I'm a big fan of what you do. And But I must say, you just had a Love Island contestant come on. So I don't know how to top that. We <laughs> did, the lovely. Jade, the lovely if you're listening, Jade. I'm a big fan. You were great yes. on Love Island. <laughs> Jade Affleck, no, she was fantastic and really very down to earth as well like just so nice and very open about everything no it was was lovely to have her on and we do try to get a variety like i've said in the past that we set the podcast up because it was just something for like everyday riders to to listen to and to get a bit of an insight into sort of other equestrians and what other people are doing in different sports and different disciplines um and to keep it changed up you know if if eventing's not your thing it's like i'm sure we'll pick up some interesting stuff from you um but, you know, it, we'd struggle to get an event rider on every show, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but well, it's nice you'll have to put up with me for one episode. <laughs> well, we're hoping, we're hoping that you, we, we had so many responses to the listener questions um, that we're obviously, we're, we're hoping that you're going to pop back on again and sort of keep us updated and oh, yeah, maybe definitely. bring us some to do more. some more tips and so forth and things like that. Some of the, I don't want to jump into the question straight away, but one of the ones that did come up and that is in there is sort of, obviously you're from Hong Kong. I know because we've spoken previously that you've been here five years and you'd never be able to tell from your accent that you've lived your entire life. Because like I said, it's solely better than mine. How, how have you found it? Like we, we just said then, the rain, we're recording on the week where I think everybody's getting absolutely torrential rain. Oh yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> What have been sort of what made you come to the UK? What have been you know the biggest differences? Well, it's funny you mentioned the rain because the weather is the one thing that I just <laughs> can't get my head around. 
<laughs> it must be such a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of the one thing that I I can fully say that I much prefer it back home where it's yeah. nice and sunny and I can be on the beach. But oh, other than that, it's great. <laughs> um, you know, I moved here, yeah, like you said, five years ago. Um, initially to go to uni. Like I said, I went to uni in London and also for the riding. Like I knew quite early on that the horses and the riding was going to be my sort of career path. And especially with the venting, you know, England and Europe in general, it's really where you need to be if you want to be competitive and move up in eventing. Um, yeah. Whereas in Asia, it's quite a quite a new sport and a young sport and although it's developed loads and it's really come on over the last couple of years we just don't mm-hmm. have the kind of standard of competition and the frequency as well that you need to really make a living out of it and be successful so you know you see all the top riders from all around the world come to the uk and come to europe so it's just where we need to be but so for the horses and for uni i moved over and it was not as big of a culture shock as I maybe imagined. Right. Um, Hong Kong is quite a like international yeah. sort of multicultural city, um, and so is London. So London really just felt like a much bigger Hong Kong. Um, I would say what was a massive shock for me was um, everything on the horsey side in the UK um, was just right. completely new to me even though I'd basically been around horses since I was seven or eight, just the way that it's done here and in Europe in general is very different to what I've seen, um, what, what I'd seen back in Hong Kong. Um, was it unusual being in Hong Kong and, like you just said, being into horses from such a young age? Because obviously here it's not an unusual thing for youngsters, especially young girls to get into is the horses in the riding yeah that's why i'm in it, it... <laughs> um, no it is yeah so it's like i say it's a much smaller sport in hong kong though they've you know the government and the hong kong jockey club has really tried to grow it over the last couple of years and especially since say a couple of years but since 2008 when we hosted the equestrian events for the olympics mm-hmm. um since then there's been a massive push to try to get the sport more popular and more kind of in the mainstream um but still it's a completely different environment to how you know in the uk and in europe it's very much sort of ingrained in the culture um Mm. and you a lot of people kind of grow up on a farm or grow up and their family is into horses and that kind of stuff whereas that's very much not the case in hong kong um, you know, we've got a couple of stables and riding schools and um, the racing's very big. It's a massive industry. But mm-hmm. other than that, you know, if you want to get into horses, it'd be just going to riding schools and, um, yeah, doing a little bit that way. So, And is that how you started out? Was there a family connection or was it just something that you at a young age wanted to pursue? Um, it kind of happened accidentally, <laughs> not going to lie. Like, my, none of my family was horsey before I started riding. Right. Um, we're always, we're a very, I'd say, kind of active and sporty family. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I grew up playing loads of different sports. Like, I played rugby. Um, 
in school and did a bit of track and field and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my family's idea of a holiday would be going mountain biking somewhere, or scuba diving. So <laughs> it was always quite like outdoorsy active activities. Yeah. So riding was just, I think I must have been either six or seven. It was just a summer camp that I happened to, well, my parents happened to sign me up for, which I was interested in, um, at one of the local riding schools, um, where we basically spent a week just getting to know horses and um, getting on some ponies and doing some rising trot. And yeah, it kind of went from there. I kind of took an interest initially and started taking lessons kind of once a week and a bit more regularly. (laughs) And it really just snowballed from there into me doing a bit more, you know, riding uh, more horses and having more lessons and then kind of loaning a horse for myself and yeah. starting to go to competitions. And, you know, that's when it started to, I, I reckon I started getting a bit more into the competitive side of things when I was about 13. Right. Um, I started going to shows and things like that. And then, got onto the junior team program that we had in Hong Kong that and that really kind of opened my eyes as it were to the sport of equestrian and eventing you know when we're getting much more regular training and training from coaches that would fly in to do clinics and things like that and they'd fund for us to go to Europe or go abroad to train over the summer and things like that so just getting a lot of exposure and opportunities that way and that's kind of how it all started that's amazing and just just touching on that I just wondered so because obviously you said it was about 13 when you really started competing and getting into it like over here especially for the boys that seems to be the age that I don't I'm not mocked maybe is the right (laughs) word um you know at school and things like that and the perception I think changes a little bit for, for lads especially riding I don't know if that's um something in the UK that potentially like some lads bear way to I mean don't get it wrong I do think that you see sort of when you've got to top level competitions but that it does tend to be more the guys that are doing it and that you know a lot of the younger riders and men and I think it's because it's you know it is it's a risky sport it's you know it's high adrenaline and things like that so you can see that was the perception different in Hong Kong um not particularly different I mean I remember you know when I was having my riding lessons it was mainly girls um right and for sure at the shows you know um the other junior riders and riders my age that I was competing with probably 80 percent were girls and there are a few guys doing it um you know I remember three other guys um from when I was doing it as a junior rider so we're quite popular um but (laughs) Um, in terms of in school and things like that like I I'm not sure I noticed much kind of mocking or anything like that like I was I think generally quite sporty like I said I did my rugby and did a bit of running and things like that so I Mm. I think it just looked like I did a bit of everything and it probably wasn't until I was 16 that I started to pick up the riding as my sort of main focus and take it really seriously so and what was that just out of a passion because it was the thing that you enjoyed the most or was it the thing that you're having the most success with how come you sort of decided that right okay now this is what I'm going to focus on 
Uh, yeah, no, it was definitely what I enjoyed the most. Um, and <laughs> definitely not the second one, not the one I had the most success on. Like, if you watched me as a junior rider, you would not pick me out as the most talented rider. Um, but I enjoyed working with horses. I really enjoyed that kind of connection and feeling you get from um, riding and from training with horses and developing yeah. that kind of, yeah, that kind of feeling yeah. and communication. And then as a sport, I just loved it. I, you know, I loved every, every aspect of it, um, competing week in, week out and going to different shows. And, you know, one weekend you might do really well and win and the other weekend you might fall in a ditch. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think as a junior rider, I, really appreciated the whole thing the whole package of like waking up and mucking out and going in the lorry with your horse to an event um because yeah i think my parents made it a point that i had to and should do all that myself um which i think was really beneficial for me Mm. um but yeah that that's kind of when i sort of fell in love with the sport along with watching a lot of sport you know watching a lot of badminton and burley and um yeah at the time we had this was 2008 for the olympics it was the first time that there was going to be a chinese um eventing rider a rider representing china alex um and that was when i was kind of just starting to get into eventing and riding as a sport so that was a kind of massive inspiration for me to Yes. to see that uh, you know this is something that we could do and it's it's possible for us to get to the top level of the sport you know um yeah. that was that was good to watch so yeah oh, all cool. of those things combined yeah what other sort of as you were coming up and as you're watching what other standouts were that you know in the eventive world that you grew up with you're a bit younger than me you'll probably have to put one <laughs> <laughs> um well when i was growing up it was very much the, the people are still around now really you know you have your well not mark todd anymore he's retired but mark todd yeah. was a massive name mm. um and andrew nicholson and um lucinda green you know those yeah those people were the household names and i reckon my favorite rider of all time is probably boyd martin yeah um australian well American Australian event rider and just watching him ride is like it's like poetry you know it's he's so soft and flowing with the horse and going cross country just looks effortless um so that's a rider that I've always really looked up to and especially after learning a bit more about him and the things that he's had to go through um to get to where he is he's Mm -hmm. been a massive massive inspiration um and yeah like I say Alex Hartian I don't like to talk about Alex that much because we're actually friends now and I see him at events all the time um (laughs) so it's a bit weird for me to go like yeah I was a massive fan um but no it is true like I think myself along with a bunch of other junior riders it was people like him and you know there were um Japanese riders just starting to go to the really big international events as well and be on the global circuit as it were um, riders like those that kind of showed us that it was possible for us to do and we didn't have to be 
you know European and we don't have to be born into horses and that kind of thing so to be honest that was a massive yeah massive inspiration for us and for me definitely um, it must have been such an exciting time to sort of be into horses and like you say very inspiring seeing other people with it being so young and I bet there were a lot of opportunities because I noticed that you you've got sponsors you sponsored by like the Hong Kong Jockey Club Hong Kong Equestrian Federation Hong Kong Sports Institute Queen Home Equestrian what did the sponsorship come before you came to the UK or was that after uh, so it was a bit of both um, I've not really been able to do the horses as like I wasn't able to kind of fund myself so I've always relied quite heavily on having people support me and for a long time that was my family like to this day they're my biggest biggest supporters and biggest critics to be honest Um, (laughs) but you know that's how it is Um, but you know things like organizations like the Hong Kong Jockey Club they do so much for the sport in Hong Kong and for yes. the development of riders from from young junior riders up to us at the senior level um mm-hmm. and that's not just through funding obviously funding is a big part of it and it's this is a sport that requires a fair bit of that um yeah. but you know they support us in different ways through having um coaching and show jumping and dressage and eventing um having sort of performance managers for us and then linking us with different people to work with to kind of better our ourselves as athletes and as riders so we work quite frequently with um sports physios and i you know i speak to a sports psychologist and um we have team vets and farriers and that kind of thing so the jockey club for me is has been my biggest my biggest support supporting role in in what i do um and that was kind of I was part of that program as a junior rider and then re-entered it after coming to the UK as a coming into a senior level. Um, Mm. Other than that, you know, I've got a very, very supportive horse owner in Howard Green. He's at the start, basically, when I moved to the UK, he's uh, just given me event horses to ride. Um, Bearing in mind, I had no experience of eventing in the UK and you know no results or performances to to show for myself to back myself up so really he just put his faith in me and in producing a a young rider to represent Hong Kong um and so it's you know it's people and supporters like these that make make this sport possible for us oh definitely because it's such an expensive sport um and I think as well, if you compare it to sort of show jumping and things like that, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the most challenging ones. And it's perhaps one of the ones that's sort of not underfunded. I'm not going to say that, but in comparison to sort of the money that you make from show jumping, whereas you've got to get some really, really big events to be sort of in the same. It's an odd one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it'd be impossible to live off prize money in eventing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it yeah. depends how you want to live, but not probably not how I want to live. No. <laughs> So at the moment, um, you're training with, where are you based? You're in Hampshire, aren't you? And you're... So I'm based in Hampshire, um, training with Stephen Way, who's an Australian rider and, and coach. Um, he did a lot of eventing himself, and he's still eventing now, but he's kind of going more the direction of coaching. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so we've based ourselves at 
a relatively new new facility in Hampshire called Pepperwood Park and it's myself and actually a, a teammate of mine he rides for Hong Kong as well in eventing Thomas Ho who's qualified for the Olympics hopefully this year um, wow. but so it's the three of us riders and Mel um, Steve's wife who runs the operation and it's it's quite a small yard um, we've got 14 horses between all of us so it's very much a kind of we're very focused on our competition horses and our training so yeah I've only been here for well I moved down here since it was October that I moved so right. not very long at all um, before that I was based in Leicestershire with Mark and Tony Kyle who Mark represented Ireland in eventing so yeah it's a it's a relatively new move for me and quite a big change but yeah just embracing it and it's going really well so you must work so hard like I say for, to you know to have done so much in such, you know, such a <laughs> young age and to do your degrees and everything but you must work hard to have got the opportunities that you've got and, and it's obvious that you do most so, in regards to obviously we've discussed on the weather and things like that and a little bit on um you know the differences that you've seen sort of between obviously over in Asia and over in the UK just a, just a quick one like do you think the wet obviously the training must the weather must impact the training of the horses do, yeah do you see much difference or does it does it affect us more than them uh, I think it does affect us more than them <laughs> um <laughs> and you know we become quite fair weather riders and I'm definitely guilty of that and <laughs> very lucky <laughs> to have have an indoor school um that we can ride in but you know especially when we're competing we do have to deal with everything that the weather throws us whether we're knee deep in mud or the ground is rock hard because we haven't had rain in a month um and it could yeah. you know I remember going to an event while it was snowing and that was just a waste of time to be honest but um <laughs> yeah it's something that we really have to adapt to um the heat I'd say wouldn't really be much of a concern here uh, you know maybe a couple of events in the summer it gets a bit gets a bit warm but um, <laughs> we see a big difference when we ship our horses out to Asia for championships and yeah that's Asian equestrian championships are in December so it's a little bit the cooler side of the year but even right. then it got up to about 30 degrees um, wow. and quite humid as well so it was something that I think we have to, yeah, we have to consider as a quite an important yes. factor for both us and the horses um, and find ways to acclimatise both horse and rider. Yeah, I spoke, um, the guys went to the Breeze up sales. We had them, the interview with um, Samantha Osborne um, and I think little Emma, Emma Smith as well. And they took horses over there and they said that that is, that is one of the main challenges that they've got sort of going over there. But then I think it was difficult this year with, with lockdown and everything. How's that affected eventing and sort of your up and coming calendar for this year? Do you know how it's affected you yet? Well, yeah, we don't know yet. We're kind of <laughs> yeah. fingers crossed. I'm trying to stay optimistic. Um, so the latest yeah. news from British eventing is that we'll start the season on the 26th of March. Um, right. And I, I don't know if I'm naive, but I, I'm still hopeful that that is the case and that will happen. Um, so they've got a, yes, a British eventing as a full calendar out for this year. 
and so does the FBI. They've got the international events out. And mm-hmm. so I've kind of roughly planned my calendar and my year of events, but knowing full well that things could and probably would change around quite a bit depending on, yeah. you know, the pandemic and the global situation. And yeah, it's it's a bit more complicated with going to international events because, you know, different things are happening in different countries and mm-hmm. we'll just have to keep an eye out for that. But last year it was very much uh, quite an interrupted season that we had. I think we had, or I had two or three runs at the very start of the season and then we went into lockdown and didn't come out of it until sort of mid-July. But, you know, having said that, we were lucky that we were able to do any of it at all. And so we were able to still get some events in towards the end. And yeah, even had, I had an international run. Um, So, and it was very much done in a way that was, covid secure and covid safe and Mm. i think they made a massive effort to let the sport resume but at the same time keep it safe so fingers crossed if we can we continue doing that and have that into this year that we'll be able to be be able to compete what what are your long-term hopes and goals for the future where would you like to be in five years what would you like to achieve that's a good question (laughs) um (laughs) Well, like I say, I'm I'm trying to move up the levels more. So, you know, I'd want to go four-star and compete four-star and be competitive at that level. Um, yeah. And then ultimately, it's a dream for me to go to the biggest championships like the Olympics and World Equestrian mm-hmm. Games and things like that. And so that's always, that's always in my mind and going to the big events. And that's kind of what we do it for um at the same time i really like working with young horses and i always have so that's also an area that i want to really get into and and develop is that kind of um producing young horses and bring them on up the levels and i've got i've got one exciting one at the moment so hopefully that that one's a winner but yeah those are sort of my my general long-term goals and do you think that you'd remain in the UK or would you return to Hong Kong and pick up there as you get older? Well, um, like I say, it's to be able to do the sport and do it properly, you really do have to be kind of yeah. well in a, in a place where there's that kind of high standard of competition and also a lot of competitions to go to. So for me, yeah. either the UK or Europe is where I'd need to be for that. Having said that, I really do miss going home and obviously being away from my family and um, my friends back mm. home and things like that is always quite difficult. Um, I'm lucky enough to be able to, well, have been able to visit quite frequently, especially in the winter in our sort of off season. Um, and especially when we're able to go over there for championships and things like that, that's always a good excuse to make a detour to Hong Kong and see my friends and family. So. And have any friends or family been able to see you? Uh, my parents have been here once. <laughs> right. Um, what did they think? They so they came for my graduate, my first uni graduation, oh. um, which I think they had a good time. I mean, like I said, London's not that different from Hong Kong. Yeah. But then they went, then they went up to Edinburgh to visit my brother. He's there for uni, uh, yeah. and I think being in Scotland and 
in the country a little bit was a bit of a shock <laughs> for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they liked it. Yeah. But we put out some questions to some of our listeners and we got a lot of responses. Like I keep saying, we're going to have to get you back on to go through more of these. Well, the questions you sent so, me were great. Like I had to have a proper think through them. They were, they were good. I was like really surprised. I had to put a bit because I wouldn't have come up with anything anywhere near as intelligent. <laughs> Um, we have just touched, we did touch on earlier which riders and horses inspire you and why. Um, if, if there was a horse, any horse, dead or alive, you could still have, and bearing in mind, you're going to have to give an explanation because I probably won't know it. Which horse would you, could you, like if you could own any, magic it to you? Oh, that that's, a, that's a really tough question. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you, you watch the big events and the top, top riders ride and all of their horses look amazing. But, yeah. I think one of them would definitely be Ingrid Klimka's Bob, Tail Bob. Um, right. He's just, he just looks like such a, such a good character and so consistent um, with everything he does. You know, she, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly the stats, but she's won loads on him. <laughs> and, <Right. laughs> and he, other than that, like he just looks like such a genuine horse that'll take you, take you anywhere and really takes everything on um and the partnership that um bob and ingrid have is just you can see it and you can see how they trust each other and how they know how to work and communicate with each other so that's that's a horse i'd love to have a sit on and just see what it feels like um yeah another one is actually a, a show jumper it's ridden it's a show jumping stallion ridden by marcus aining it's called com ilfo um and I just love watching that horse. It just has such a unique, unique style and very kind of unconventional. It's a bit like mm. a bunny rabbit. It literally just hops over every fence and right. does a little hop and buck and yeah, wins a five star class. Um and you watch Marcus ride him and he just kind of lets him do his thing and it doesn't try to control him or contain him too much because yeah. You know, you want that sort of exuberance and character um, to work with you rather than against you. So, uh, and just watching him do that and watching how kind of he knows what the horse will give him and how he needs to ride this horse just completely different to other horses. Um, it's mm-hmm. always really interesting to watch. And it's something that, yeah, it's a horse that I'd probably wouldn't do very well on, but would like to have a sit on. Yeah, it seems to be, um, I trained with somebody briefly, I sent um, just my little cob up to him and he did novice level and he had a few horses in for breaking and training and he was so, there seems to be a very specific type of horses for event because there was one that was in, it was, I wouldn't have looked twice at it, um, it was like a little, it looked like a 14-2 conic and he said, honest to goodness, he said that horse for its attitude and its temperament and the way it just, it's the way it goes and it doesn't refuse anything and it's so genuine and it's so honest and he's like, this is what you want on the cross country. Yeah. He said for a junior, he said that horse would sell for thousands in the right hands, but it does seem, and that leads us on to the next question, which is what would you look for in an event horse? Because it does seem very specific for eventing for the horse. Yeah, I mean, well, you've you've really just, explained it quite well (laughs) um (laughs) you know for me especially I think I look for the first thing and the main thing I look for is their brain or where their brain is at um like you say their temperament and their attitude because you know unlike dressage and show jumping where they 
in show jumping they have to jump massive meter 60 tracks and then in dressage they have to do all these really fancy movements we don't really have mm-hmm. that in eventing so we it's more kind of an all-rounded all-rounded horse that can do a bit of everything and is happy to do a bit of everything um yeah. so for me yeah some people might disagree with me but for me i'm not overly fussed on you know fancy breeding and bloodlines and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um i think you see a lot of top eventers and and eventers that have made it to the top that don't have that kind of breeding but they have the right attitude and the right temperament to train um so yeah. that for me is the most important um that they have a good brain and they're brave and and willing to take things on and that's especially around big cross-country tracks that's what you need and then I like ones that are natural movers and naturally have good pace and that's not to say really fancy paces but Mm -hmm. just you know correct walk trot and canter Um, because for me that shows that they're they're naturally quite well balanced Um, and those you know those are things that you can improve later on with the schooling but if you start from a foundation of the horse being relatively well balanced by themselves and they kind of know where their four feet are that's that's always a good start and it makes them actually more rideable as well because yeah. you can have that control and you can ask a bit more from them without them losing their balance and losing their losing their confidence a bit um yeah but other than that it, it's really hard to tell you know my my top horse at the moment was one that I wasn't sure was going to be much and was going to be my kind of backup horse, but he's just really come out of nowhere and shown me that he's super talented. Whereas I'm sure a lot of people have overlooked him. So it's always, it's always a hard one to to decide, but for me, the Mm -hmm. brain is the main thing. And what's your favorite discipline out of the dressage show, jumping and cross country? Definitely cross country. (laughs) Like we wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't do this if it wasn't if cross country wasn't yes. our favourite. That's I did I did think the same thing, yeah. And one of the questions that we got asked is like when training, um what do you do at home to prepare for the cross country element? Um is there a lot you can do? Yeah, I mean, so for me personally I don't like to kind of separate my training too much. So I wouldn't really have a right today's a purely dressage day or show jumping day or cross country day because yeah Mm -hmm. like I said when we train event horses they have to be all rounders and they have to be able to do a bit of everything and so do the riders so like even if I have a flat work day for example I also have the rideability for jumping in mind um, where you know some tight turns or I might go over some poles Um, but specifically for cross country um, there are a lot of things you can set up in the arena uh, with some kind of more technical lines you know there's no way that you'd have like massive tables and stuff in the arena at home but you can still build lines that will prepare you for the more kind of technical questions that you'd see on a cross-country track Um, Mm -hmm. you know so you could have an oxer and a curving line on a related distance to something a bit skinny Uh, and you don't have to build big because what you're trying to practice and achieve is to technicality and the rideability uh, yeah. so you could it could just be a small oxer to a you know you could have barrels and tires and things you can find around the stables and things like that to just to practice your lines and practice your eye other than that obviously we go cross-country schooling 
uh, with going schooling as well it's not about jumping massive fences for me it's about knowing how to ride the kind of more technical lines and for your horses to see and get used to things like undulating ground and going up and down drops and jumping into water and that kind of stuff um yeah and then making sure that their fitness level is up by going hacking and going cantering and i think hacking is actually a great way to get their fitness up because it's it's slow and long um so it's not putting masses of stress to their joint and their body but it's getting their heart working and getting the muscles moving so things like walking and trotting up up hills and things like that just to get them fit and moving yeah Yeah. all of those things combined and any top tips for any aspiring event riders was is there anything that you wish you'd been told at the beginning when you were getting into the sport or anything like that um yeah there's a lot (laughs) and uh, (laughs) i don't want to yeah this is always a risk of sounding too kind of vague and preachy but there are things that even now I tell myself and I remind myself and still helps me to this day be uh, with me trying to be as good of a rider as I can be. Um, one of them is to just always be open to new sort of new ideas and different ways of doing things. Um, yeah. Cause I think it's quite easy for people to myself included to when you get to a certain level to be like, well, this is, this is how I do it and this is the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's millions of different ways to do something. And and it's, yeah. for me, really important to be just completely open to different people's ideas. Uh, and pe- what people see from the ground could be completely different to something that you're feeling on the horse. So just um, always be open to what people say and you know don't take offense to it but rather just take it in and try to incorporate incorporate it in your training and you know if you like something keep it if it doesn't work then bin it um yeah and then another thing i'd say is and this i definitely have to remind myself of all the time and i think a lot of writers do is just to like remember why why we're doing this uh, the sport is great and it, it's obviously great to be competitive and winning is good and you know we all love it and going to shows and all that kind of things but at the end of the day like I'm pretty sure we all get into it because we love working with horses and we love riding and so just I find it important for that to always be the kind of leading reason for you to be getting out of bed and doing the horses every morning and that's that's the case as well for you know during the season when things don't go well and uh, mm-hmm. you know things aren't going the way you want it to and I think you know unless you're Andrew Nicholson or Michael Young like you'll have more bad days than good days uh, or you know you'd have a good event but then the next weekend be in the water <laughs> um so yeah horses are a great leveler aren't they? yeah I yeah think anybody in events and says that humble. yeah like you said <laughs> But, yeah, one day you're at the top of the game, the next you're in a day well, exactly. in the water. Yeah. Yeah. And so especially on days like that, it's really important to remember the reasons why we do it and not to, not to put, you know, too much pressure on yourself to win every competition or, you know, take it out on your horses when it doesn't go well. And um, 
what would you say has been your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? Um, loads to try to remember, but I think the biggest challenge for me, both physically and mentally, was in 2019 when I broke my leg. Um, oh, wow. And the main reason why that was such a challenge for me was just to overcome it mentally um, because it was sort of, it was supposed to be a big year for us. And, you know, that was the year that we made huge plans to try to qualify a team for the Olympics and things like that. And I just, mm-hmm. my owner had just bought really nice new horses for me and it's going to be my first season with them. So, you know, truck the horses out to Portugal in February as our first event, <laughs> as you do. And yeah. after a week of competition, that went well. We were meant to be there for two weeks. Um, but on the Monday, went out for a hack. The horse spooked and I just had a really stupid fall and broke my leg. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah. And I was off for about six or seven months after that. Uh, but what I found was that while I was off and I, I wasn't riding, it started to eat away at me the fact that, you know, I'd made all these plans and um people had put you know given me all these opportunities and that was meant to be the year that I did a lot of stuff but I'm actually just in bed and someone's making me a tea um yeah and I can imagine the mental pressure that you'd have put on yourself yeah yeah it was was eaten away and at the same time obviously the leg was getting weaker Uh, you know the bones were healing but everything around it the muscles and the tendons were getting weaker and uh, so actually that kind of rehab and recovery period after I was able to walk was quite mentally challenging for me um, in the sense that like my brain thought that I could do something but my body disagreed (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah and I remember going to the physio for the first time and doing the exercises and realizing that I couldn't even balance myself on one leg without falling over um so yeah had to put a lot of work into that and you know the first time getting back on a horse is a funny feeling as well after having that much time off uh, and feeling the kind of imbalances in my body that have been created because of because I've not been exercising I've been one leg has been resting for seven months Uh, so yeah both physically and mentally it was quite tough and you know all riders go through this eventually hate to break it to you but we all get injured (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's just something that you have to remember to kind of see the bigger picture and have a bit of perspective that's what's really helped me I think is you know understanding that that's the situation that I'm in and that's the reality but there are still things that I can do every day to progress my recovery and you know get back on the horse and get back to where I was um whether that's at early stages you know just getting out of bed and walking around in my crutches a bit uh, or putting a few extra minutes into doing my recovery my rehab exercises and then that that's what kind of helped me a lot mentally was to think yeah. about it sort of day by day and set goals for myself to achieve and progress every day rather than thinking about the kind of 
grand scheme of things of the fact that I should be riding and competing, but I'm in mm-hmm. bed with a broken leg because that's that's depressing for anyone. Uh, yeah. So yeah. You do sound really positive, and like you've got a really a lot of grit and determination and a positive outlook, which I'm sure helped you a lot through that as well. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I try to be positive, but I think uh, it's only natural for for anyone with emotions <laughs> um, yeah. to get a bit down and you know get a bit upset and disappointed when things don't go well, and especially when it's things out of your own control. And mm-hmm. but I think it's especially things that are out of your control that you know putting time and effort into worrying about isn't going to achieve anything and it's actually quite counterproductive um yeah you can't change it so you know the biggest thing that I tried to do and I feel like has helped me the most has been to kind of quite consciously focus on the things that I can control Uh, so like I say it's you know putting some extra minutes into my rehab exercises uh, Mm -hmm. or you know the fact that I'm not riding well I can still watch a lot of riding so I ended up renewing my horse and country subscription and watching the box sets of badminton and burley and things like that Uh, there's a lot of little things that you can do to that you can control and you can help you can all help yourself and you know constitute to you progressing and recovering quicker and it makes you feel better as well so definitely I think that's a fantastic message and can be applied to so many not just riding, so many areas of life. And another listener question was, do you ever get nervous? And if you do, how do you calm the nerves? Yeah, so I mean, you know, nerves is another emotion that everyone gets and I'm not immune to it. And I don't think any of the top riders are immune to it. For me, and, and I've done a lot of work with Ben Davis, my sports psychologist with this, um, with how to manage stress and nerves at competition and that kind of thing. And a few strategies that I like, um, one of them is self-talk. And Mm -hmm. for me, that is just having kind of trigger words, uh, whether it's, you know, relax or focus or um, be confident. Um, It's just quite short phrases that will trigger emotions uh, to make yourself feel better. And and it comes with practice as well. And I, I actually say it out loud while I'm writing. Uh, not in the dressage test because then I get deducted points for that. But <laughs> uh, but I've also found with nerves, a lot of nerves come from the kind of the uncertainty of everything. Um, you know, at the end yeah. of the day, you're sat on an animal with a brain and it's uncertain as to whether they, they are having a good day or a bad day. And you could be riding the ride of your life and they have a spook and a spin um, and you fall off so and yeah a lot of other factors that you can't control like we were talking about the weather earlier uh, mm-hmm. but you know there's so many things that could go wrong at a competition when you're coming at a ditch in the cross country and you just have a miss or you have a spook you could be in that ditch and all those things are playing in your brain and that's I think what makes people nervous um some ways to mitigate that then would be just to be as prepared as you can be whether that's in training prior to the competition you know you you have spent the time 
doing your lines and doing your pole work and you know that you can be as prepared as possible coming into the competition um and then also having sort of a routine that works for you on competition day i like to have everything timed so i know yeah i'm getting on 25 minutes before my dressage test for example and how i like to Mm -hmm. do my warm-up in the show jumping for each horse um i find having a routine and some kind of structure puts those nerves at ease a bit because again you feel a bit more prepared um yeah and then the last one i would say would be i like to consciously try to control what i'm thinking about so for example if i'm if i'm warming up for the cross country and i'm having a break and i'm walking and i'm seeing people going around the cross country and it makes me nervous and i start to get a bit anxious and panicky that's actually not helpful to me riding a good cross country round so then i like to make a switch and think about my course and think about my plan for my cross country round and how i'm going to ride it and run through my course and think about you know the strides what i have to do around each bend and corner and yeah really think about what my plan is and how what i'm doing to prepare to ride that round because then that takes my mind off being nervous and being anxious and I'm actually focused on the job at hand so it both calms the nerves and also is a good way of yeah um being prepared so those are my my tips and what works for me brilliant thank you they're really helpful I think whether you're doing cross country or just riding your horse everything that you've said so relevant and yeah I think we're all victims of a bit of negative self-talk and like you say intrusive thoughts almost going around your mind and having to sort of have that mindset to be able to change it and to and to yeah and to focus on other things no definitely like I think um yeah we're all human and we all have emotions and like you say a lot of these thoughts are intrusive and kind of out of our control Uh, then Mm -hmm. I think the way forward and the the thing that has helped me is just to be able to recognize it and to kind of make conscious choices about what I think about and and sort of manage yeah. it that way. Acknowledge what you can't control and focus on what you can and do your best there. Exactly. Oh, thank you. That's been lovely and so helpful. Uh, we will obviously promote your accounts because you're on Instagram. Aren't I you? am. Yeah. Did you? Did, did you manage to get rid of the, is the old account? Still floating, floating around about. Um, Instagram still recommends it to me to follow, so it's quite frustrating. <laughs> oh. oh, how annoying! How annoying! But um, do head over and and give him a follow on Instagram. We'll put the links up to your Instagram. Your right one. I'll put a link <laughs> Perfect. as well. Um, oh, it's the one with the exercise videos. Oh, and a very nice video of you in in a, in a sunny <laughs> on a sunny beach. That's lovely. Is that a bit of a throwback? I wish I was there. That looks lovely. Sorry, I'm just having a nosy now. Um, but yeah, we'll pop them up on the horsefeeduk.co.uk so you can find it a little bit more and, and our listeners can can check you out and have a look. And like I said, I really hope that you'll come back on. We want to, we want to keep updated and um, know how you're getting on in the future. And Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Well, th- thanks for having me on. That was really good fun. And I'd love to no, come back on. No, thank you so much really love chatting like really good no we really appreciate it fabulous i had really good fun no i have too thank you it's been like i said for somebody that knows absolutely nothing about eventing 
so this is what I mean about the podcast so I'm like just genuinely like an everyday rider and I've enjoyed having the chat and none of it's felt out of my depth or over my head because of the way that you've explained it and that's just perfect for our listeners because like I say it's for everyday questions yeah. you know that might never have you know they'll watch badminton on tv because we all yeah. have <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean to, to speak to somebody so nice and so down to earth and so open it's it's a really nice introduction to eventing to other people as opposed to something that's all about you know related distances and stuff that I might nod and say like I agree but I wouldn't have a clue <laughs> well I can get into all that if you like but <laughs> I think that we'll get more questions on from this because cool well, I'll have to yeah keep in touch and see if we can do more in the future definitely I'd really like that um, ha- enjoy the rest I of your do. week and stay as dry well, as you can try, but I don't think that's possible with what we no. do <laughs> no it's not it's not is it but hey ho it's the love we do it for the love that's my yeah, mantra well, like I say like do it. Anyway. <laughs> remember why we do it <laughs> yes that's easy. a massive thank you to you Sean for coming on and sharing with us those brilliant tips and insights into life as an eventer we hope that you found them as valuable as we did up next we've got a brilliant rider review with ginger and tonic and of course our listener shout outs Check those out after this short break. Hi, this is Katie, the founder of the Equestrian Business Awards. Our nominations are open until the 1st of April 2021. If you know a farrier, riding school, riding instructor, equine therapist, horse transporter, all lots of different categories that we have on our website, then you can nominate them at www.equestrianbusinessawards.co.uk forward slash enter. Hi everyone, my name is Laura and I am a brand ambassador for Equibug Boutique, which is a small business with loads of ace equestrian supplies for the horse, for the rider, for around the yard. They have a bit of everything. I wanted to do a quick review for the Horse Feed UK podcast of the Premier Equine multi-purpose yard gloves that I got from there last year, just kind of as it was starting to get really, really cold on the yard um, for mucking out and all the other kind of stable duties they are three pound and honestly I think it might be the best three pound I've ever spent they're really really hard wearing and I have renals I get really really bad circulation in my hands and my fingers get really really cold and which is not great living in the northeast of Scotland because it's freezing here all the time and these gloves honestly they're just great they are kind of I don't know what the material is on the front of them but it's like really hard wearing and then it's got like a softer cotton side um, for the back of your hand. I think they're water resistant as well so they're not totally waterproof but if you kind of splash your hands or whatever when you're filling the buckets they're not going to then instantly leave you feeling soaked and cold and yeah I love them so much I pretty much instantly bought another pair because I was just like I need to make sure (laughs) that I always have these on hand so yeah I'm all about kind of bargains and little things that just make your life so much easier and I do quite a lot of product reviews over on my Instagram account so if you're interested in that kind of thing you can follow me on ginger and underscore tonic but yeah would thoroughly recommend these gloves they have saved my hands over the winter and actually as it's starting to get a little bit warmer I was kind of like oh I hope my hands don't get sweatier and clammy or anything um, and actually they've been totally golden so I think they'll be great all year round 
So yeah, head to Equibug Boutique and you can get a pair yourself. Like I say, best few pound I've ever spent and would definitely recommend that you guys get some as well. A big thank you to Laura for that brilliant rider review. Don't forget to head over to her Instagram page and check her out. So up next, we've got your favourite part of the show, which is the social media shout outs. To kick off, we just want to say a huge congratulations to our brand ambassador, Samantha Osborne. She's done a 10k giveaway for when she reached 10,000 followers and she's done that this weekend. We want to say big congratulations to Daisy Lumley. She's the winner of that. Don't forget to give her a follow on Instagram, Daisy underscore Lumley. Sam's also been doing some articles for Showing World about mindset and various other things. I believe we promoted the first one in one of the previous episodes. She's had another one out. And there's another one coming up, isn't there, Ames? And are you getting involved with that? I am. Yeah, that one's coming out in June. So she put a post up the other day on Facebook, probably in other places well, knowing Samantha. Um, and yeah, I got in touch with her because she was looking for an amateur rider. I was like, I'm an amateur, I'm an amateur. And she's had so many people contact her, so I think this is going to be a really interesting one. So she's sent me a list of questions over. So I'm going to do a little write-up for her and get that going, mentioning the podcast and the kind of things that we do and just covering the whole basis of being an amateur. And obviously we, we fundle along and try to make it sound like we know what we're on about. So yeah, that's a great one. So we also want to just give out some shout outs to people that have been engaging with us on social media, as well as saying hello to Melody over at Horse Barber. She was on the last show. Don't forget to head over to see our newest venture, which is Team Horse Barber. The clothes. I absolutely love the hoodies and everything that she's got. Have you seen them? They're absolutely brilliant. They're gorgeous. Um, so yeah, do head over to Team Horse Barber. Show them some love and some support. As you'll have heard from as well, we've also been chatting to Katie from the Equestrian Business Awards. It's not too late to get your nominations in it's free to nominate people and she's especially looking at small businesses as well those that don't usually get recognized you know yeah. by the big awards and things like first that first of april you've got to first of april so don't forget just head over to the equestrian business awards the details have been in the show previously get your nominations in show some love to those people you know that have struggled through covid and have been there to support us and yeah do definitely get over there and say hello just want to say a quick hello to some of our recent followers that have been adding us on Instagram. We love that. We've got Kick On With Kim. We've also got the Dressage Coach. Hi, Maddie. Um, as well, if you're looking for any online training or anything like that, please do head over and check out the Dressage Coach and the Dressage Hub. It's absolutely amazing. There's so many resources on there for whatever you're looking for, whatever your level of fitness or anything like that. We've got Skylight Farms, Lucy Richards Eventing, Jess and Jasper EQ, Pony Threads, we've got Holly Equine Extra, um, a big hello to Redberry Question as well, and Max and me. Have you got any aims? I think we should do a shout out for our local tax shop where I spend most of my time. She's got like the loyalty card out. What are your points at there? They must be absolutely know. phenomenal. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's Oatfield Direct. They have some good giveaways and stuff on the promotions as well on Instagram or Facebook, so give them a follow. And whilst you're on the subject of riding clothes, Oddly enough, my friend Alexi Patel, she's on Instagram as well. Yes. She's been making me spend money, a lot of money, on riding tights. And when Jade came on the show, she mentioned Olivia. Yes. Olivia Bowen. And she's actually put up a link on hers for some that she's tried. So at Dakota underscore equestrian which is sold at west at Westley saddlery and they look really really amazing all right so that's definitely one to someone check buy out. some and do as a review yes we definitely want a review we're always looking for new reviews i think amy's fallen out with her riding tights because she's 
<laughs> she ripped another pair, brand new, bought them yesterday, jumped off um, Harmony this afternoon and caught them on your safety strips, <laughs> didn't you, Ames? So um, we've got yeah. a bit of bum cheek hanging out. They went so quickly, though. They went so easily. I've seen a couple of posts on... Um, facebook and stuff about how quickly the riding tights are going i think maybe we I'd need just like to say these riding tights are not from art dakota no <laughs> yeah they're not <laughs> they're they are not. not from there they are a, a different named brand a different name brand to the last lot i ripped so yeah i'm giving up <laughs> i think i think maybe you should it's <laughs> telling me to stop riding <laughs> well we won't go that far and i think they'd have a job um also just a quick hi to clip clock lollipop charlotte douglas dressage woody pony plus twins um life on the bit and a day in our shoes and also don't forget to take a look at team pommel who were also on the last episode they're doing some amazing giveaways and are looking for reviewers and stuff at the moment and if you really want a laugh check out sam's because she's died her hair. it's not on i've not put it on <laughs> i'm hiding that i'm hiding that yeah um we we went a bit silly with um the bleach i think it's locked down craziness everybody seems to be dying the hair funny colors at the moment she's looking <laughs> at it right now in despair so yeah that's all from us for this time folks don't forget to join us next fortnight and until then happy riding bye 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 this episode of the horse bgk podcast was produced by me your host sam with a big thank you to Amy Bolin for co-hosting the intro segment. Our current cover star is Steelo Blue Native. A great way to support our show right now is to head over to the website, thehorsefeeduk.co.uk, check out our merchandise and enter one of our brilliant photo competitions.